welcome to episode nine of Brownell's Best, highlighting the writing of Brownell Middle School students. Today, we are going to talk with fifth grader Anthony M. in his piece, The Voyage of the Sunken Sea for the Gross Point Writing Assessment. In grades one through six, students are required to write a narrative, so a fictional piece. This piece was chosen with the five, six different options of Alone on a Ship, The Underground Blank, the runaway blank, the longest day, inside the box, if I could, I would. Anthony went with alone on a ship, and he, using his sailing knowledge, because Anthony is a sailor, he wrote a piece that also kind of goes in, along with his passion for Dungeons and Dragons. Anthony's piece is very well written, and I look forward to having you hear it. Up next. We are joined by Anthony, fifth grader from Mr. Brown's class. Anthony, thanks for joining us today. At all. <laughs> all right. So the topics that you had to choose from for the Gross Point Writing Assessment were Alone on a Ship, The Underground Blank, The Runaway Blank, The Longest Day, Inside the Box, If I Could, I Would. You chose the Alone on a Ship. What stood out to you about that topic that made you want to write something? Well, um... It was last summer when I wrote um, a history for an island nation in Dungeons and Dragons. And um, um, in that history, there had been a king who had tried to sail it out to sea in this large harbor. And I just thought um, that I could connect and flesh that out with this story. Very cool. Very cool. Now, I also saw, or you were telling me, that you're a sailor. So mm -hmm. was that part of it, too, where you saw the alone on a ship? You're like, oh, hey, I, I know what it's, to, what it's like to be on a ship. Maybe not alone, but I know what it's like to be on a ship. Yeah. All right. Well, when you are ready, feel free to share your story. Okay. This is called The Voyage of the Sunken Sea. The rest of the crew was gone. Some sunk to the depths of the sea after getting shot off the halyards by cannons from a neighboring kingdom. Some, the unfortunate few, were drowned after being dragged into the harbor by the dragon turtle that has laid dormant in the harbor since the war ended, Old Lockjaw. All who remained was me and Joseph, a humble, black-haired man. I had somehow escaped, piling crates as a guard against the war forces from what I assumed was Delanalex, a separate kingdom led by Mad King. I'd thrown the gold from the horizon, the king's own warship that he had planned to sail beyond the mist with, hoping that the loss of the trading materials would ward off old Lockjaw. I held my breath and got behind the rigging and quickly patched up a few gaps in the square sail that the horrible beast of the harbor had torn in his rampage. I ordered a fellow crew member, Joseph, to grab hold of the helm and steer us off to the wall of wandering to the south a large wall of mist. Straining his muscles, Joseph wrapped his sweating palms around the rotting wood of the helm and pushed us starboard with all of his might. We had nearly escaped from the king's harbor, old Lockjaw thrashing the blood-filled water behind us. I hastily scanned the ship's deck. Beside Joseph and me, the horizon only had three crew members left. 
I had a scruffy old fellow named Ahita climb atop this halyard to the crow's nest, where he clumsily put a spyglass up to his eye and began to scan the world beyond us. The other crew members swiftly charged below deck and had managed to find a few weapons and a couple of pounds of rations remaining. They began to hand out the food as we worked tirelessly to get the ship out of Zalia, our kingdom. After finishing our meals, consisting of dried meat, almonds, and multiple herbs, Ahita began to bark down multiple muffled words from top of the ship. As we just began to process what he had said, a cannonball crashed into the hull of the ship, flung splinters of wood across the sea. Joseph lost his grip, and the trusty old ship began to be pushed back by the headwinds. Another speeding cannonball began whirling straight at the deck. Time seemed to slow down as a sleek ball of shrapnel collided into a blonde, skinny crew member. The ball bludgeoned him severely, sending him flying into the unforgiving sea. Just then, another cannonball smashed through the top of the mast. Crow's nest began to splinter apart as Ahitab tried to clamber onto it. The old man plummeted through the air and collided with the railings on the deck. He was knocked out cold and fell into the dark waters below. As this was happening, I was hauling a cannonball of my own to the other side of the horizon, where a large cannon had been positioned. I peered into the distance and noticed a large warship floating menacingly through the icy waters, cannons pointed directly at us. I rushed into the hull and removed a torch from a nearby sconch. I rushed up the beaten stairs of the ship that had already taken multiple beatings. I burst through the door that separated the deck from the stairs. It fell off its unreliable hinges as I rushed over to the cannon. Heaving it with all the strength I could muster, the cannonball slid down the hole in the center of the cannon like a glissading ping penguin of the north. I lit the fuse with the torch, plugging my sweating ears and dashing to the other side of the deck. Boom! The cannonball whirled through the human air, climbing, colliding into the warship at extremely high speeds. By then, I noticed that Joseph was steering us back to the south, and another crew member had been shot by another devious cannonball that sent the man flying into the mast, which must have killed him. The warship had stopped firing when we had reached the Wall of Wandering, an elusive patch of humid air and dense mist and fog that had been looming outside of Zalia for 1,000 years. It had been created by Jalesia, god of magic and protection, to ward off evil spirits from reaching our homeland. It was a perilous journey to philander through this area. Not many who dared journey here have ever come back to tell the tale. I thought to myself, maybe they had just moved beyond Zalia into a different kingdom. Though, I couldn't deny the fact that very dangerous, gigantic creatures roam these cold waters. The ship began to breach the elusive wall of water as my hands began to sweat with fear. I could see Joseph with extreme focus in his eyes, trying to navigate through it this dark dimension of dread. It was silent, just for a few moments. It was calming. A slow army of waves lapped against the oak hall. But then, the sea began to become more and more violent. Sprays of sea foam flew onto my body. I clenched the silver hilt of my scimitar, drawing it from its sheath. My hands, my eyes darted, looking left and right. I saw a whirlpool forming about 100 feet away from the or old horizon. That's when I saw it. 
bestial, sprawling tentacles that were bursting from the waves as if they were dogs being teased with meat when the change finally broke free. It was the beast I only heard of in legends, Cockreast, the Tideweaver, guardian of the Southern Mist. It had many titles. One thing was true in all the stories, though. It was a beast of destruction. Nothing was able to escape from its dreaded grasp. Joseph had begun to turn around as the tentacles burst from the sea and head straight toward the ship. The maelstrom raged through the sea, pulling us into claws of this giant titan that reached toward the sky like spiders. One of the suction protrusions smashed into the side of our elegant ship, sending boards of wood flying at me. One of the men to just scrape my bicep, but the damage was quite severe. Blood spurred from the muscle and I groaned in pain. Joseph had lost control of the helm and fell to the side of the ship as Cockrass lifted us into the air. Joseph grasped the deck as he fell, hanging onto dear life, his face straining in fear. I saw a huge pack of seafoam rise into the air, Warwick sailing down the side of a dark shadow that appeared beside our ship. As the figure slowed, so did the water draining from the top. A massive, draconic head with razor-sharp teeth and glowing red eyes began to slowly part its jaws and reached out for me. I began to zigzag toward the terrifying creature, scimitar in hand. In my peripheral, I, saw, I caught a glimpse of a swooping tentacle coming straight at me. Keeping my eyes on the head of this beast, I ducked right underneath the tentacle, rolling over to the head of Cockrest. Its jaws gnashed as I jumped onto his forehead, took aim, and came down with a finishing blow. My scimitar cleaved with the shimmering scales of this magnificent creature. It had come to an end. But as it fell, the ship began to fall as this creature fell back into the depths from which it once came. I dropped at high velocity, my eyes irritating as the wind hit them. I collided with the water, and my vision turned black. When I woke up, I found myself drenched in water and blood. As my vision returned, I looked around. This is Zalia. I thought. The night sky was beautiful. The stars shimmered across a delicate purple and blue sky. It seemed like Bahamut, dragon god of good, smiling down at me. As my gaze focused onto the land in front of me, I saw wonderful palm trees and smooth, glassy sand. A magnificent castle glowed with candlelight in the distance. Many buildings and fortifications laid around this wonderful display of beauty. I wished to the promised land at last. Joseph's death shall not be in vain, for thy wonderful kingdom of Zalia, I shouted triumphantly. I had made it to the Isles of Rogo. My mission was complete. Here, I would start a new life. After all those years of war, I could finally find peace. Okay, well, wow. Do you take drama? No. No? <laughs> because that... That was the most dramatic reading we've had on this show, on this podcast. It was fantastic. Um, I think you have a history. You, you have a future in reading books for Audible. <laughs> I think you did. All right. So two questions for you. Uh, first of all, did this just come to you? Like you were talking about how you already kind of had this thing with Dungeons and Dragons. You did a did this thing last year. Did it just like? I know what I want to do. Yeah, I had I had a map at home, and the ideas just came to me as I 
continued to write the story. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a couple parts where I had to think a little bit, specifically the names. I'm not good with names, but um, yeah, most of it just came to me. Okay, and then you play. How important, because Dungeons & Dragons, you've got to come up with these different stories and things like that. How helpful was that for this story? Like, it seemed, I mean, like, this sounds like something that you just, you know, you worked with uh, or worked on over and over. And this, I mean, this is a one-shot deal. You got the topic and you went. How important or how helpful was playing Dungeons & Dragons with writing this? I think that was very helpful because in Dungeons & Dragons, I can't just write one specific line of events that happen. I have to come up with many different possible scenarios the characters could change the story with. So I think this would definitely help because I get to just write one storyline with I make the decisions um, instead of the characters which would definitely be easier then. Right. I mean, that's one thing with Dungeons and Dragons. It, I mean, it really does help creativity. Yeah. You know, because you've got to come up with all this different, these different situations and all that, and you kind of have to do it right. I mean, you don't have time to say, okay, well, hold on a second. I'll sit back and think, no, you got to come up with it as you're going. Mm-hmm. Um, do you read a lot? Because yes. your word choice was fantastic. The, the words you used were unbelievable so but that's something where when people read a lot that's something you can tell it's you know they use words i mean you use what my grandmother would say you used hundred dollar words you know you didn't use those one dollar words you use hundred dollar words you use some big and you use them correctly but the way you know as an english teacher we look at the way you do that is by writing and by reading a lot so how much do you read Uh, and what do you like to read I read just about every day, um, really only fantasy or um, stories with a fictional element to them, such as like the Hunger Games. And I've read The Hobbit about like 10 times, and I've read through Lord of the Rings as well. There's there's the language then. <laughs> that Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit have a lot of uh, interesting and strong word choices. Well, Anthony, thank you so much for sharing this with us. You did a fantastic job, and uh, I can't wait to see more from you uh, as the years go by. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Brownell's Best. Students' last names are withheld for safety reasons, and only their first name and last initial will be used at all times. This has been a Bronco News production.